there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. So are you excited about this new series? The series is entitled The Sheep and Church Growth. Somebody shout The Sheep and Church Growth. Please shout it louder. The Sheep and Church Growth. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you and we bless you for this moment. As we delve into your word, I pray that you speak to us today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. I don't know if you're like me, but I'm sensing like God is going to multiply us. Did you hear what I said? I say God is going to multiply us. God is going to increase us greatly. And so I'm, I just want to set the stage. I just want to prepare you for what God is about to do in our midst. Now, throughout the scriptures, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, believers are often described as sheep. For example, the Bible says, all we like sheep have, grown, have gone astray. That is in the book of Isaiah. The Bible also says, we as we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. That is in the book of Psalms. The Bible also says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. That is in the book of John. And over and over again, when you read the scriptures, you realize that that word sheep has been repeated so many times. And that word does not talk about just animals. It talks about the people of God, the children of God, the ones who have believed in Jesus Christ. So we shall examine how the sheep plays a major role in the growth of the church because God wants his church to grow. This series will challenge every member of this church to become fruitful. And as you become fruitful, the church will grow numerically by the grace of God. Amen. So God is so keen about church growth. God wants his church to grow. God wants his church to extend its borders. God is committed to the expansion, to the increase, and to the progress of the church. And if God is committed to the increase, expansion, and growth of the church, we too must have the same passion. We must have the same drive. We must have the same fervor. We must have the same commitment to see the church growing. It is sad, ladies and gentlemen, to note that many Christians have relegated the church to a place where they come just for a good sermon, a nice worship experience, nice facilities, or even entertainment. And all these things are wonderful and they are good. And we have them here. We believe in nice worship. We believe in a good you know, message, an anointed message. We believe in all that. But that is not the ultimate reason, you know, for a believer to be in church. A believer should not just come to church because of what the church offers to him. A believer should come to church because he wants to be trained and matured to become fruitful. He must produce fruit. Touch your neighbor and tell them, you must pro pro produce fruit. Because we are the sheep of his pasture. And as, a, as the sheep of his pasture, we are supposed to produce fruit. As we feed and grow, as we feed and we are, uh, we are healed, as we feed and we are blessed, we are supposed to produce fruit and fruit that shall remain. Every farmer will tell you as he keeps his sheep, as he feeds his sheep, he expects the sheep to multiply. And it is said that the sheep can produce up to three lambs in a year. We as God's sheep must multiply as well. In other words, you should at least have three souls every year. Souls that you have established in the house of God. Someone that you have preached to, someone that you have witnessed to, you have brought them in the church and you are shepherding them, you are following them up, you are praying for them until they become mature in God. Look, look at the number of years you have been saved. If you did that every year, by now you'll be having so many people that you have brought into the kingdom of God. 
Ask your neighbor for me, for how long have you been born again? And then do the calculations for me. Some of you have been born again for 20 years. Some of you have been born again for 30 years. Some of you have been born again for 50 years. Some of you are legends in salvation. Even Angel Gabriel knows you. But where is your fruit? Where is your fruit? Where are the lambs that you have given birth to? At least three in a year. So it is time for us to wake up as the sheep of his pasture and begin to be fruitful. Amen. Can I hear louder amen from the sheep in this house? But this is the thing that you must know. The first thing that we must understand is that all the lost sheep must be gathered. So I want us to look at the gathering of the lost sheep. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there is a prophecy. Somebody say a prophecy. Hey. Hey. Louder. So there is a prophecy for the gathering of the sheep. Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 3. The Bible says, and I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries whither I have driven them and will bring them again to their folds and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their folds and they shall be fruitful and increase. And increase rather. So God is keen on gathering the lost sheep. And the prophecy is out there that God is in the business of gathering every lost sheep. That's why I need to just tell you somebody here that the church can never go down because there was a prophecy for gathering of lost souls. The church cannot die because there is a prophecy of the gathering of lost sheep. The church might face challenges. The church might have people coming in and others are leaving. The church might have leaders resigning, but it will keep on growing. It will keep on going. It will keep on expanding. Why? Because there is a prophecy. I say there is a prophecy. And God says, I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their folds and they shall be fruitful and increase. So you, you can see an and, 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 and increase. So you can see that from the beginning, God has to gather the sheep. He has to bring the lost sheep into the folds. That is where everything begins from. He has to use you and I as we go out there to gather the lost sheep and bring them in. And after we bring them in, the sheep must be fruitful and the sheep must increase. Amen. So look at your neighbor and tell them you must be fruitful and you must increase. There has to be fruit in your life. You, you see, for you, somebody also reached out to you and brought you in. But many of us, when we come in, our work is just to feed. We are here. I need one sheep to come. You guys say you are the sheep. I don't need to bring a sheep. So pretend you are eating. How is the hay? <laughs> so many of us, we were brought from out. We were brought in. And all you do now is to do what? Is to eat. You are just eating. Please don't eat. Literally. You are just eating and eating and eating and eating. And you are not fruitful. And you are not increasing. That is what is happening in the church today. So you are telling the shepherd, bring more hay. Bring more grass. Bring water. Your work is just to feed and feed and feed and feed. But you are not fruitful and you are not increasing in number. Thank you very much. But this prophecy is to gather them so that they may, came, they may come in. And after they come in, they become fruitful and then they start increasing. Look at your neighbor and tell them, we shall increase. Tell them again, we shall increase. You see, throughout the history of the church, the church has faced many forces. The church has faced enemies. The church has gone through, you know, 
very difficult moments the church has faced agents of destruction for example we had COVID-19 that ravaged the entire world for two years you know we were not meeting we were not here many people were not meeting in their locations to worship God and that affected the church many churches were affected some even closed down but the churches are rebooting again are you here somebody we also have the fifth column these are disloyal elements within the church People who join the church, but their sole intention is to destroy the church. I call them corrupted sons and daughters. They come with an intention to destroy the church, fighting the church from within. But no matter what they do, the church will still stand. Why? Because there is a prophecy. Look at a neighbor and tell them there is a prophecy. Now the new kid on the block is Shakahola. And everybody is talking about that and you can see that bad elements are trying to discredit the church using what is happening in Shakahola. But let me tell you, the church will still stand. Can I hear an amen in this house? I say the church will still stand. It will emerge from every form of shame, rubbles of shame and stand in the name of Jesus. Even wicked rulers in the past were being used to rise against the church and persecute believers in the church. When you look at Acts chapter 8 verse 1, the Bible says a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. There was great persecution. Believers were being persecuted and one of the guys that was sponsoring the persecution was Saul. They fought the church. They arrested believers. They intimidated believers. They tried to silence the believers and so Many believers had to move to other cities. They went to Judea. They went to Samaria. It's only the apostles who remained in Jerusalem. And it looked like the church was finished. But when you jump to Acts chapter 9, verse 26 to 28, when Saul had been converted and he came back to Jerusalem, he tried to join the, the disciples. Now remember when there was great persecution, all the disciples left Jerusalem to go to other cities. But in Acts chapter 9, when Paul is coming back, you know, to Jerusalem, he meets disciples, showing you that the prophecy was still at work. When he came, he met disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And so he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. He met disciples there. There was persecution that dispersed the church members, and they had to go to other cities, but as they were going, others were being born into the kingdom of God. God was gathering the lost sheep and bringing them to the church. By the time Saul was going to Jerusalem, there were apostles there, but also there were disciples there. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and tell them there is a prophecy for multiplication of the church. When you look at verse 31, the Bible says, then the churches... As the believers were going to Judea, look at what happened. Then the churches throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were, shout the word. Is that a shout? Shout the word. They were multiplying. So the devil thought by scattering the believers who were in Jerusalem, he was going to stop the church from spreading. But it was a bird mistake. As they were going, they were multiplying. As they were going to these other different cities, they were multiplying. Why? Because there's a prophecy about the church that the church will keep on growing. The church will keep on multiplying. The church will keep on expanding. I don't know if you're like me, but I see the future full of multitudes upon multitudes upon multitudes coming into the house of God, coming into city of transformation church. There will be a commotion on Kiungani Road. I prophesy in the name of Jesus. There will be a commotion on Siokimau roads of multitudes driving, multitudes walking, multitudes using motorcycle, running into the house of God. May it come to pass in the name of Jesus. Shout amen if you believe in what I'm preaching this morning. Look at your neighbor, give him high five and tell them it's going to happen in Jesus' name. So the ultimate plan of the enemy 
or the enemies of the church is to close down the church. And that's why the enemy will use different factors to try and destroy the church. But there is a prophecy of the gathering of the lost sheep which will eventually overrule the evil intention of the enemy. Can I hear an amen? The church will keep on growing. The church will keep on multiplying. The church will keep on expanding. Hallelujah. Because this is not the work of man. This is the work of God. Hallelujah. I say this is the work of God. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes I hear some people when they leave a church, they say, we will see what will happen to that pastor. It is not me. This is the work of God. I'm just a steward. This is God's work. Paul planted. Oh, sorry, Paul planted. Apollos watered. But who gave increase? It is God who gave increase. I see the prophecy coming to pass. The prophecy of multiplication. The prophecy of increase. The prophecy of growth. If you believe it, shout amen in this house. Hmm. Matthew chapter 9. I want us to go there. I show you something here. Matthew chapter 9. Verse 35. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. The Bible says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, somebody shout multitudes. Is that a shout? Shout it again, multitudes. Shout it again, multitudes. You know, we have not reached the level of multitudes. That's why I tell you to shout louder. But the day will have multitudes. I will never ask you to shout again. When I say shout multitudes, you will be surprised. But multitudes are coming. I say multitudes are coming in Jesus' name. He saw multitudes. And he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary. And scattered like sheep having no shepherd. They were weary and scattered. Somebody say scattered. That's why there's a prophecy for God to gather his lost sheep. Because the sheep is scattered. The sheep is all over the place. By the way, last, last yesterday we were able to reach over 300 souls. Somebody ought to appreciate the Lord. Over 300 souls were reached yesterday. And we are still doing it this coming Saturday. This coming Saturday. Amen. They were scattered. By the way, I forgot to announce. This coming Sunday, we have dubbed it Sit by Your Soul Sunday. Tell your neighbor, Sit by Your Soul Sunday. That means you are going to reach out to somebody, preach to them, get them saved, come with them to church, and sit next to them. I've seen those who have not clapped. Can I repeat what I said? You will reach out to someone who is not born again, let them get saved, then bring them to church and sit next to them. Sit by your soul Sunday. So Jesus looked at this crowd and they were scattered. They were broken. They were weary. Like sheep having no Shepherd. Then verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Ladies and gentlemen, the harvest there, out there, is ripe, is ready, is plenty, but the laborers are few. So we can see that this is a disturbing image. There are many sheep out there that are lost without a shepherd. The sheep needs a shepherd. The sheep needs someone that can reach out to them. The sheep, be, needs, the, the, the sheep needs someone who has become the hand of God, the voice of God, the eyes of God, to reach out to them, pull them out of sin, pull them out of darkness, and bring them into the kingdom of the Son. You are the one that God wants to use. You are the sheep that God wants to use. You are the man, you are the woman that God wants to use. Because the prophecy of gathering is still in place. Unless we go, that prophecy will not be fulfilled. Unless we reach out to the lost 
souls. That prophecy will not be fulfilled. So we have to activate this prophecy by going out there because we are the feet of Jesus. We are the hands of Jesus. We are the voice of Jesus. We are the eyes of Jesus. We are the body of Jesus. So whatever he said, the body has to fulfill it. The hand has to fulfill it. The feet has, has to fulfill it. The eyes has to fulfill it. So it is time for us to fulfill the prophecy. It is time for us to activate the prophecy. So that the lost sheep can be won into the kingdom of God. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to witness. I'm ready to preach to the lost souls. Hallelujah. I prophesy as you go, may the anointing be with you. May the grace be with you. May the conviction of the Holy Spirit be with you. May they never resist your message. May they say yes to your message. May souls be won into the kingdom of God. Shout a louder amen if you believe this. Look at your neighbor and give them a high five. Tell them, I am anointed for soul winning. Oh, they didn't hear. You tell them one more time, I am anointed for soul winning. Father, I prophesy you're going to use these men and women to gather every lost soul, every lost sheep out there in the name of Jesus. As we knock on doors, as we cross the street to the other side, as we meet people and talk to them in the Matatu, at the place of work, I pray that souls will be won. There will be a gathering of lost sheep into the kingdom of God. If you believe it, shout aloud, yes, in this house. So what are the strategies of gathering lost sheep? I have several, but I'll give you one for today. Number one, by increasing the number of laborers. For us to gather the lost sheep, we must increase the number of laborers. Jesus said, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is ready. The people are ready. The world is ready. But laborers are few. It is the scarcity of laborers that is hampering the ability to gather the lost sheep in big numbers. I need to say that again. It is the scarcity of laborers that hampers the ability to gather the lost sheep in big numbers. The church today is having an acute shortage of foot soldiers. An acute shortage of um, people who can go out and win souls. We don't have the manpower that is needed for us to gather souls or lost sheep in big numbers. That's why our results are not very encouraging. And encouraging rather. When we say we need to go out there and reach out to the lost, only a few people come out. Only a few people, you know, volunteer their time. Some people say, I am busy. I will only do it when I am free. There is no day you'll be free. In fact, we don't want you to do it because you're free. We want you to do it because you realize it's a very important thing in your life as a Christian. Am I preaching to somebody in this house? So stop telling us you're busy. We are also busy. But we have realized that soul winning is very important. It is the heartbeat of God. That's why we are setting aside, to set, setting, aside, uh, setting aside time to be able to reach out to the lost souls and bring them into the kingdom of God. Please, never, never tell God you're busy. What if God tells you I'm also busy for you? What's going to happen to your prayer? What's going to happen to the desires of your heart? What's going to happen to the things that you want God to do for you? So never tell God that you're busy for his work. You have to set aside time because we need a large number of people to go out and reach out to the souls that are lost out there. We need many more laborers. Jesus said the harvest is plenty, but the people who are willing to go out there, they're few. They're too busy. On Saturdays, they're swimming. On Saturdays, they're jumping from one hotel to another, eating nyamachoma. On Saturdays, they are going to Kitengela to go and eat goat meat when they should be in the field harvesting souls. They are too busy. Some of them say, I'm too tired. I need to relax. On Saturday, they are in their bed snoring. And as they are snoring, there is somebody that they could have reached to and brought that somebody into the kingdom of God. Jesus said, we don't have laborers. 
We have many Christians in the church who have never made a switch to become laborers working for God. They just want to enjoy the service. They just want to enjoy the music. They just want to come to church once a week and never tell them to do anything for God. That's why the kingdom of God is not growing the way it needs to grow. That's why the church is not growing the way it needs to grow. It is time for laborers to arise. It is time for every Christian to become a laborer. Even if you don't say amen, you will not intimidate me. I'll preach. And I will tell you the truth. It is time you become a laborer in the kingdom of God. Jesus said the harvest is ready. The harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. The people who are supposed to go and talk to sinners are few. The people are supposed to go and share the message of hope, the message of love to the sinners who are lost are few. The people are supposed to set aside time where their tennis shoes and their jeans with a t-shirt written, God loves you. They are no longer there. They are in their homes. They are busy with their own things while souls are perishing out there. Some of them are so lazy that they can't even talk to the neighbor next door and tell them about Jesus. That's why the world is going to hell right under our noses. People are dying and they're going to hell, sliding to hell every day because we don't have laborers. Our neighbors are going to hell. We attend their funerals. We shake our heads and we are wondering, where are they going? Where is their soul going? And you are the person that God had anointed to save that neighbor from going to hell. You have time to attend their funeral, but you don't have time to witness to them. You have time to even contribute to their funeral to buy the coffin, but you don't have time to witness to them. I came to preach you out of your comfort zone. It's time for you to arise. Become a laborer. Preach to your neighbors. Preach to your friends. Preach to your colleagues before it is too late. Tell your neighbor, make time. Please touch your neighbor, tell them, make time. We need laborers. We need laborers. City of transformation, we need laborers. We need evangelists. We need witnesses. We need men and women who will come out and say we are going for souls. We are going to fight for souls. We are going to witness to lost souls. We are going to bring in the lost sheep into the kingdom of God. Jesus is lamenting. And he's saying the laborers are few. You know, there are people who don't do soul winning because they say that is the work of a pastor. The pastor should do it. And by the way, we are paying him to do that. So he should do it. He should be the one doing it. Our work is to come on Sunday, listen to a nice sermon, and then pay him in the form of offerings and tithes. But it is his work to do it. It is not our work to do it. In fact, some people think when they do soul winning and a lot of people come to church, they are making the church or the pastor famous. Or they are making him rich. It is a lie of the devil. When you do soul winning, it doesn't help the pastor. It helps you. And I will prove to you. I want to say that again. When you do soul winning and bring souls into the kingdom of God, it does not help the pastor. It helps you as an individual. Because it shows God that you have become fruitful. Ask your neighbor for me, where is your fruit? Some of you, you have been born again for 10 years. You've never led one person to Christ. And you walk around here speaking in tongues. There is no fruit that is attached to your life. Your heavenly account is negative. It's zero. It has nothing. No soul, no fruit. Nobody you have reached out to. Nobody you have established in the kingdom of God. And you're walking around saying, you know, 15 years ago, when I met Jesus... I've been walking with him. And I've never seen anything that will make me go back. They should show you your heavenly account. You'll be surprised. No fruit, no soul, no nothing. Since you got saved, it's just you. You are trying to go to heaven. A place where you are not highly regarded. The only thing you are boasting about is 20 years ago. I knelt down. I say, Lord, come into my life and save me. Since then, 
I've been walking with this Jesus. Me, I'm even doubting you are walking. Because if you truly walk with Jesus, you will do what Jesus tells you to do. If you truly walk with him and you're committed to him, you will do what he tells you to do. So your walk is fake if it does not have fruit. It's a fake walk. And you have a fake walking style in the spirit. It is so fake until angels are surprised. Ask your neighbor, how, how is your walking style in the spirit? How is it? How many here somebody has ever introduced you to anything? A job? Somebody introduced you to a job, lift your hand, you got a job. Were you happy? Were you so grateful to that person? Or oh, some of you, some of you introduced you to a girl who has now become your wife. Lift your hand. Or husband or whatever. Hey. It's nothing like that, yeah. Oh Lord, have mercy. Ask your neighbor, you're that stingy, yeah? <laughs> Don't mean to know your friends. But many of us, the things that we do, somebody introduced us to them. How many years somebody has introduced you to sin? You are so innocent until you meet some, met somebody, you started drinking, somebody introduced you to drinking, lift up your hand, you started sinning, drinking. Uh -huh. How many years somebody, some, somebody introduced you to smoking? <laughs> Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. Why are the hands going down? How many has somebody introduced you to fornication? Uh -huh. Look at the hypocrites, look at the hypocrites. Okay, put your hand down, I've seen it. You lifted your hand in your heart, isn't it? Many of the things we have done, people have introduced us to them. Isn't it? And some of you, it is you who introduce other people to bad things. It is you who broke somebody's virginity. It is you, you, you. I'm seeing you. I'm seeing you in the spirit. Can I call out your names? Can I professor? Hey, 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 hey. People are scared. <laughs> that person knew nothing until they met you. And up to today, they still remember you. Yeah, their lives have never remained the same because of you. You see, you can be a father in different forms. Yes. You can be somebody's father in fornication. They did no fornication until they met you. You ushered them into the world of fornication. And they are here looking at me. Ask your neighbor. <laughs> are we together somebody? But now, I want you to change that trajectory. Introduce somebody to Jesus. Oh, come on. Talk to me. I say introduce somebody to Jesus. Bring somebody into the kingdom of God. May that person forever be grateful to you because you introduced them to Jesus. I see you introducing many people to Jesus, bringing souls into the kingdom of God, bringing families into the kingdom of God, children into the kingdom of God. Shout aloud a yes in this house. Look at the neighbor and tell them, I will do it, 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 I will do it. So when you introduce somebody to Christ, these are the rewards that you receive. Because I told you, you're not making the pastor rich or famous. When you introduce somebody to Christ, when you gather the lost sheep, because the prophecy is already in place, these are the rewards of gathering the lost sheep. Number one, you become wise. When you bring a soul into the kingdom of God, it's not the pastor who will be wise. It is you who will be wise. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30, he that wins souls is wise. You become wise. By winning souls, God eradicates the cobwebs in your mind. 
God removes foolishness from your head. You become a wise lady. You become a wise man. You cannot be a soul winner and at the same time you're a dummy. Those two things cannot exist in your head. If you become a soul winner. God will release divine wisdom upon your life. Can I hear louder? Amen. You see, soul winning empowers your mental abilities. Soul winning refines your level of wisdom, knowledge, and, under, and, and, and understanding. You increase greatly in these areas, supernaturally, because of soul winning. Soul winning makes you an A student. Wow. Hallelujah. If I knew this, I think I could have passed mathematics. Could have done a lot of soul winning so that I may pass mathematics. So soul winning will definitely make you wise. Hallelujah. Amen. So keep on doing soul winning. Wisdom is being released in your life. For those who went for soul winning yesterday, I release the wisdom of God upon your life in Jesus' name. Receive it in Jesus' name. Number two. When you go for soul winning, you shine like stars. You will start shining. Hallelujah. A star is always shining. Shine bright like a diamond. How many know that song? I know you know it. The ones who didn't lift up their hands. If Jesus comes now, will you make it? A star will shine. And you will not see a star until when the background is dark. And that is at night. When it is dark and you look at the stars, you can see that they are beautiful. And I'm told that they are miles away. Those stars are big. Some of them are huge. And you can see they are shining. Hallelujah. Amen. Sometimes when you want to be romantic, you take your baby out. You tell her, look at the sky. What do you see? I see stars. Then you tell her, if you accept me, this is how I'll decorate your life. I say, oh my gosh, I can't breathe. Quisha. Shine your box. Do you remember? When you win souls, you will shine. Hallelujah. In the background of darkness, you will shine. In the background of difficulty, you will shine. Hallelujah. Where there is darkness, you will shine. At night, you will shine. When the clouds are thick, you will shine. When things are not going on in a country, you will still be shining. When the, the, the shilling is stumbling against the dollar, you will still be shining. When people are complaining there is no money, you will still be shining. When other businesses are going down, yours will be shining. When marriages are not working, yours will be shining. When people are complaining about many things, you, you will be thanking God. Because you are shining like a star. Shout aloud a yes in this house. That the Bible says in Daniel chapter 12 verse 3, those who turn many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Every time you turn somebody to righteousness, you become like a star that begins to shine. Hallelujah. Do you want to shine somebody? I say, do you want to shine? Become a soul winner. Begin to win souls for God. And everything about you will shine. Your children will go to school and they will shine. If there is one scholarship, it will be awarded to your children. If there is one opportunity for somebody to go abroad for further studies, they will select your child. Because you are a shining star. I decree as you go for soul winning, may you begin to shine. Shine in the marketplace. Shine in ministry. Shine in your neighborhood. Shine wherever you are. Shout yes. Give somebody a high five and tell them I'm about to shine because of soul winning. Mm. It is powerful. Yes, they will shine like stars. Yes. And you know, sometimes you're in there, you might think the stars are not there. You wait until the dark comes. That's when you see the star and it is shining. 
Wow. Different stars. I remember when I was in Israel. You will be there as well. I said when I was in Israel. When I was in Israel. You will be there in Jesus name. I remember Bishop Doug was taking us. You know through the night. We were walking with him. You know when we go and spend time with him. You know he takes time during the night. We talk and we walk. And we were walking. And we were seeing the stars. And he was explaining to us all these different stars. And how far they are. And the sky was beautiful. It was amazing. Especially, you know, at that time, the skies were clear. We didn't have clouds. It was a beautiful, beautiful scenery to behold. When you win souls, God decorates your life. Soul winners are automatically decorated by God. Hallelujah. And they begin to shine like stars. How many are ready to shine? How many want to shine? They will become outstanding when they become soul winners. Those win souls, they become outstanding. Number three, when you win souls, you will experience joy. It's not the pastor, it is you. Look at them and tell them, it is you, 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 you. For those who have been thinking, oh, when I do soul winning, it's... Shut your big mouth and do what God is telling you to do. Not about the past. It is you. The blessings are for you. You will have joy. You will experience joy. Luke chapter 15 and verse 7. The Bible gives the story of the prodigal son when he came back home. But Jesus parallels that story with what happens in heaven when one soul comes into the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. If one just stands to God, there will be joy in heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, nothing gives God joy like seeing a sinner turn away from his sins. Soul winning makes God and all the hosts of heaven erupt in joyful celebrations. Each time you win a soul, you put a smile on God's face. When you make God happy, are you ready for this? He will make you happy. Did you hear what I say? When you make God happy, he will also make you happy. God will ensure that you will not know sorrow for the rest of your life. He will decorate your life with an ending laughter because you're a soul winner. So can you imagine if one soul can make God happy? How about 50 souls coming into the kingdom of God? If one sinner repents and God is happy, can you imagine 100 souls coming into the kingdom of God? Can you imagine the joy that is in heaven when 100 people get saved or 200 people get saved or 300 people get saved? Can you imagine the joy? So we can actually make heaven a very joyful place by going for soul winning. And then the same joy that we trigger in heaven, God releases the same joy to us as his children. It's a principle of giving. Give and it will come back to you. You give God joy, he give it back to you. Good measure. Press down, shaken together, and running over. I don't know about you. Me, I want to be joyful. Yes, I want to be joyful. Yeah, because life can make you really not be joyful. Yes. Have you, ever, have, you, have you ever met somebody, you're trying to talk to them, and it's like you are the cause of their problems. The way they look at you, the way they answer you, the way they respond to you, even their, the way they have concocted their faces. I mean, you feel like, hey, w- what did I do? Me, I want joy. I want to be joyful. I don't know about you, but me, I want to be joyful. You understand what I'm talking about? Yes, I want to be joyful. I want to enjoy life. Yeah, this life, my friend. This life, this life, this life. If you don't enjoy it, <laughs> let me tell you, you will go. You see, all of us will go to the grave. But me, I want to go to the grave happy. Look, even if you are sad, you will still go to the grave. Some of you think when you become sad, you will escape the grave. You will still go to the grave. Tell your neighbor, even with your sadness and concorded face, you will still go to the grave. Oh, yes. I want to go to the grave happy. Hallelujah. Happy. And one of the ways of doing that is by doing soul winning. When you win souls and you cause heaven to rejoice, God will also make sure that you rejoice as well. There will be joy in your heart. Hallelujah. There will be joy. You see, what makes you joyful is what God will allow to happen in your life. 
Isn't it? For there are people here, when somebody gives you a car, you'll be joyful. Isn't it? Some of, some of you here, when go, somebody gives you money, you'll be joyful. So God will look at the things that make you joyful. And those are the things that he will trigger in your life. Because you have, because you have done something that triggers joy in his heart. He will also do something to trigger joy. You're not hearing what I'm preaching in this house. To trigger joy in your life. So ask your neighbor for me, what makes you happy and joyful? Those are the things that God is going to release in your life. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes, God, God is going to release those things in your life. You know, sometimes, for example, I hear people say, oh, marriage is bad. Oh, marriage is difficult. Oh, marriage, whatever, whatever. Marriage, 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 marriage. Look, let's not spoil for single people. If yours is bad, not all of them are bad. Let's not spoil for single people. Single people who are here, believe you me, marriage is good. It's very, very good. It has its own challenges, but it is good. Two are better than one. Yes, how can one lie down and be warm by himself? It is a scripture. You understand what I'm saying? So God will look at you and say, ah, this one loves marriage. This one is a lovey, 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 lovey. Apewe moja. <laughs> Am I preaching to somebody here? Then we look at this one, this one, this one. Many of his problems is being broke. <laughs> when he's broke, he cannot even eat. When he's broke, he cannot sleep. But because he's a soul winner, a pewe moja. And he comes over, you say, this one, oh, this one loves children. Sin is married, but he doesn't have children. But because he's doing soul winning, instead of giving him or her a car, let me give them triplets. <laughs> and you are able to recover all the 10 years, 15 years, 20 years that you have been waiting for children in your life. God gives you triplets. And all of them are healthy and strong. Mosho moja. Watoto watatu. What a joy. May God activate joy in your life as you win souls. Shout a louder amen in this house. May God bring joy to your house. Joy to your life. Joy to your family as you win souls. Shout a louder amen. Lastly, your feet are protected. These are benefits. I'm still on point one. Your feet are protected. When you win souls. When I was going to school, at some point in primary school, we used to go to school without shoes. My brothers and I. And it was not an easy thing. I mean, when you walk barefooted, you are, your feet are exposed to elements. Isn't it? I remember once in a while, I mean, removing a thorn from your foot, it was a thing that we were getting used to. Yeah, every once in a while you remove. And then life continues. Yeah, I remember at some point we were forced to run other than walking because so we reduced the time the feet are on the ground because the ground is so hot. You are running because you're trying to protect your feet. You're not running for fun. You're not running to win a gold medal. <laughs> you're not Omanyala, isn't it? No shoes at some point. And it was quite a difficult. I remember I had stayed without wearing shoes for a very long time. That one time, one time when my father bought me shoes, the, 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 the feet could not fit in the shoe. Feet had expanded. It couldn't fit in the shoe. And after a few hours, I felt very uncomfortable. It's like I felt like my, my, my feet were being suffocated. You will not understand what I'm saying. Huh? I can never forget one time I was infected by jiggers. 
and there was this cousin of mine who was a specialist of removing jiggers <laughs> with a needle. My friend, I, it is still fresh in my mind how I was whipping and I had to be pinned down because I saw her took that raw needle. The place is already so painful and she wrestled with my feet until the thing came out. I can never forget. When you don't have shoes, your feet are exposed to the elements. But soul winning protects your feet. You see, the Bible says you shall trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. It will not hurt you because your shoes are protected. And what is this that protects our shoes? Is soul winning. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 15. The Bible says, stand therefore, having guarded your waist with truth, having put on the bracelet of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So your feet are protected by soul winning so that you can trample on snakes and scorpions and over the power of the enemy. Because there are many things that are planted on our path to destiny. There are people who are planting things, planting things at the place of work, planting things in your backyard, planting things in your farm, planting things around you, planting things in your office. But when you're a soul winner, your shoes are protected. You will step on a spiritual grenade, but it will not explode because your feet are protected. You will step on some thorns that have been planted to prick you, but because your shoes, you have shoes on, spiritual boots of soul winning, you will be protected from those thorns. I want to challenge you to do soul winning and the protection of God will come upon your life. Soul winning is not for the pastor. Soul winning is for you. That's why Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I pray that God may increase laborers in this church. That we may be able to win souls for Jesus Christ. Give somebody a high five and tell them, I will be a soul winner. I want to stop there and I will continue this coming Sunday to give you more benefits of soul winning. Before I go to point number two. But I want to challenge you, this Saturday we are going to win souls. Tomorrow we are winning souls. Tuesday, we are winning souls. Wednesday, we are winning souls. Thursday, we are winning souls. Friday, we are winning souls. Saturday, we are winning souls. And Sunday, you're going to sit by your soul. It's going to be sit by your soul Sunday. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazutechero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.